0: Welcome to Spooky
1: South Coast. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does AM 1420, WBSM presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa.
2: Good evening everybody, welcome to another edition of Spooky South Coast, live on the air here at WBSM, and broadcasting over the magic of the internet at SpookySouthCoast.com and through our good friends at iTunes. Hey Matt, you ever go on iTunes? Occasionally. Yes, this is Matt Costa, the Silent Assassin, he, uh, he loves his iTunes, because uh, unlike myself, Matt actually has an iPod, so not that this has anything to do with the paranormal, but we will relate it to Spooky South Coast. Because for those of you who like to download the podcast of Spooky South Coast, I got an email today from the iTunes people. They have reclassified a lot of these podcasts. So we are no longer in the talk radio genre. Uh, We're actually in the movies and television genre, which I don't know why we were switched into that. Uh, I sent an email back to uh, to their help department. We'll try to figure out exactly what's going on. It shouldn't affect anybody finding the show, um, because if you type Spooky South Coast into the search bar, you should have no problem getting the show and getting every episode of the show that we put up online. However, uh, if you don't use that search bar to get it, I suggest that's the way you use it to find it. And then subscribe to the Spooky South Coast podcast. And then that way there, it'll deliver it automatically to your iTunes as soon as I put it up on iTunes each week, which... You know sometimes takes me a little while. Hey, it's the summertime. It's Sundays. uh you know, I have family stuff to go to, so I have to try to squeeze it around that. But hey, enough whining. We're glad that you listen. We thank you so much for listening and of course, we invite you to call us. We want you to call in and tell us your stories, your questions, your theories, whatever about the paranormal about anything from ghosts to aliens to u f o phenomena uh maybe you're into spirituality uh maybe you're into you know uh tarot card reading, uh, maybe you have some psychic abilities, remote viewing. There's so many different aspects of what we're categorizing as as the paranormal. And so we're going to talk tonight to some people that handle different aspects of the paranormal uh, through a different medium. I mean, we get on the mics here and we talk to you about this stuff and we bring you some guests each week where we can talk about this stuff over the airwaves. But we're going to bring you some people that do it with a written word. Because we have a, a whole slate of guests tonight. We're going to have from Ghost Magazine, Jason McCurry, who is the media reporter for Ghost Magazine. Now, you might say, what does a media reporter do for a magazine about ghosts? Well, what he does is he talks about a lot of the different uh, television shows that are coming out about ghosts. Uh, he talks about uh, di- you know when ghosts are reported within the media. So we will talk to him about that. Also, we're going to have on from the brand spanking new magazine, Unexplained Paranormal Magazine, it's brand new to the newsstands this month. We're going to have Rose Pressey, who is the editor, the publisher, the main writer. Uh, she is the woman that has put that all together, and it's very impressive uh, what she's done so far. And then we're also going to talk to William J. Burns, the publisher of UFO Magazine, uh, and that's one of the you know foremost uh, publications out there when it comes to the UFO phenomena. I mean, our friend Peter Robbins is a is a contributor. To that magazine, uh, they've had stuff from Bud Hopkins as well. George Norrie is a regular columnist with UFO Magazine. we got some interesting news about George and the Coast to Coast program coming up later because generally it's against the rules to to promote another radio show that doesn't air on this station. Uh, but we're going to make an exception when it comes to Coast to Coast because that is kind of like, you know, the, the 60 minutes of the paranormal. If, if we don't pay homage to George and Art and what they've done over there, uh, then we just look like, you know... We look like we're cheap ripoff artists, and that's not what we're going for. So, again, we welcome you to call in 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500 with any thoughts or questions you might have. You can also go on our website, SpookySouthCoast.com. You can go into the live chat section uh, where you can post your questions and thoughts up on the board, and we can discuss them. Matt is uh, diligently searching through right now for any questions or anything that might pop up. We're also working on something where we might be able to get a live chat going where people can log into a chat room and talk about what's going on. Because I, you know, the silent assassin, Matt Costa, he does, I mean, Matt Moni is our science advisor is here alongside, too. And he can vouch, you know, he's constantly moving, he's constantly doing some different production stuff.
3: He's always on it.
2: And so what we're going to do is we're going to try to get that live chat going just to make it even harder for him. Because he's over there in the corner with the computer, so. We have to add one more job into what he does already.
3: You want me to see if I can clone you a third arm?
2: Why not? Why, why go for the third arm? Just go for a whole complete second silent assassin. We can have a whole army of them. And uh, to one of our loyal listeners who uh, posted on the message board asking if you could get that silent assassin T-shirt that we referenced last week. We haven't actually produced it yet, uh, but we will. Now that we know that there's an interest for it, we will. Uh, we're, we're trying to come up with some different uh, different merchandising stuff to get to get the word out there, and uh, we're thinking about the silent assassin T-shirt, and maybe the uh, Matt Moniz science advisor thong. So that would be pre- <laughs> that'd be pretty interesting. No, you think I'm kidding? But the uh, the company we might be working with to produce some of this stuff uh, a thong is one of the many options of things that we can have. So I don't know. Send us an email. Tell us if that's something you're interested in, Carl. I don't think you'd be interested in the thong, but hey, we don't judge. We don't judge here at Spooky South Coast. So. That being said, now, we did not attend the Capers meeting last night, uh, Back from the Beyond, which was uh, put on by Joanne McCann. We were unable to make it. However, we know that some of our listeners might have been there. We would like you to call in, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. Let us know if you went, What? Uh, how the lecture went. You can talk to uh, You know, talk to us. Maybe you have your own life af- uh, near-death experience and you'd like to share it with us. Uh, So many people have these near-death experiences, and they don't realize at the time that that's what it is. They think it's a dream. Uh, They think that it is, uh, you know, like sleep paralysis, and and they're imagining it, but it it is a very common thing. And for some reason, there seems to be an increase lately in in NDEs. Uh, Matt Moniz, do you have any idea of why there would be a sudden rise in near-death experiences?
3: Uh, May have to do with it. Uh, increase knowledge in medical technology, bringing people back. Uh, One of the theories that they believe is that a lot of these near-death experiences is just the mind playing out thoughts that it's had stored in memory and firing off in random order, or one of the most prominent things is memory of people.
2: So you're saying it's almost like an imaginary dying. It's not an actual physical death?
3: Well, not so much in a physical death, but what you have is just the memories being played out in your head in a uh, chemical cocktail soup, almost like a, just an acid trip. Every, every
2: synapse firing off all at once. Right. It's interesting that you say that with medical technology, this is something I didn't take into account, I didn't think about. You say with medical technology, uh, being able to bring people back, I see near-death experiences on the rise because... You know, I look at it from the living point of view, and you're looking at it from the point of view of, you know, had it not been for the advances in medical technology, these people wouldn't have had a near-death experience, they would have had a death experience, they would have died. Correct. So I, I didn't take that into account. That's very interesting that, you know, a lot of these people are only having these NDEs because of the advances in medicine.
3: Right. We have the ability to actually bring them back.
2: And speaking of bringing things back, Matt, we totally forgot to finish off our science experiment that we started the other day.
4: Which science experiment is that?
2: That is the one where we actually try to play God and cryogenically freeze some living organisms and then bring them back to life. We, we totally forgot, forgot all about it. I think it may be too late now. Uh, this is uh, almost on the equivalent of uh, Ted Williams' head, uh, only on a much smaller scale. Uh, we uh, captured some flies, some common house flies that had that were in somewhere where they had no business being. Essentially, they had lodged themselves into a um, container of cooking spices. I think it was garlic. Either garlic
4: or
2: onion. I think these were Italian house flies. I think They're, so. Yeah. So they, uh, <laughs> they lodged themselves into this container. Matt scooped them out into a plastic bag, and we decided to cryogenically freeze them in the freezer. <laughs> now, we understand that cryogenics is a process that you have to slowly freeze, uh, and then. but the more important thing is to slowly thaw not to uh, try and just throw them in the microwave and, and defrost them. So uh, we were supposed to take them out today. We totally forgot. And so now they're in there for another day. And, of course, everybody's heard the, the uh, urban legends about people freezing their guinea pig and bringing them back and all that kind of stuff. So, hey, maybe you did it. Give us a call. Let us know.
3: There's only one animal that you can really do with it that most people might have a pet when they were younger, especially boys, Now would be frogs. You can completely freeze a frog. Slowly let them thaw, and he will reanimate.
2: Now, is that because of their cold-blooded nature, or?
3: Yeah, and certain chemicals that they retain inside their bodies. Yeah. So, so there you
2: go, folks. You can freeze what the frog. About sea monkeys. Sea
4: monkeys, sea monkeys. Can you do it with sea monkeys? I don't know. You if You can, can do it. it with fish, yeah.
2: But now, sea monkeys are an interesting thing because uh, I, I personally tried to grow them when I was a kid, and <laughs> for those of you who have never done it, all you're growing is a is a big jar full of dirty water.
3: They're just brine
2: shrimp. Just brine shrimp, and, and they're, they're pointless. They, they don't do the cool stuff like they do on the package.
4: Daphne magna.
2: I was very upset. So anyway, you're that's... Sh-
4: you're shattering my dreams.
2: Uh, well, don't worry. When you have the reanimated flies, you know what's even better about that is when he does reanimate the flies, they'll essentially have to just do his bidding. They'll work for him. They'll, be, they'll owe themselves to him. So he will be God in the fly world. Uh, and speaking of God...
3: All right, who's Piggy? Hmm? Lord of the Flies.
2: Oh, oh, no, no. No Lord of the Flies here, because I don't want to be the one that gets the rock off the back of the head. <laughs> but uh, speaking of God, we did have a very interesting show last week with Renee Smith and Keith Johnson, the angelologist and demonologist, respectively, of the Atlantic Paranormal Society, where we talked about the differences between angels and demons, the similarities between them. And I got to tell you, I was listening to the show again earlier this week, and You know, it's kind of hard to retain a lot of the information during the course of the discussion because we're doing so many different things at once in the studio. But when I had a chance to really sit back and pay attention to what it was that we were talking about, that was just astounding. Some of the information, and it's information that I've never heard anywhere else.
3: Two very knowledgeable people.
2: Absolutely. I mean, there's a whole reason why TAPS, you know, one of the world's foremost paranormal research groups, is dedicating an entire department to each of these subjects because they have a strong presence in the paranormal world. Exactly. So, you know, if you haven't had a chance to check out the show, you can download it on our website, SpookySouthCoast.com or on iTunes. But make sure you go to the TAPS website, the TheAtlanticParanormalSociety.com. Check out the section on angelology with Renee, the section on demonology with Keith and his twin brother, Carl, and also go to Keith's website, that's NearParanormal.com, N-E-A-R Paranormal.com. You can learn so much more on his site, as well as sign up for his class next month in New Bedford. And, well, this month now. It's July 1st. Yeah. So July 28th here in New Bedford, you can take his uh, his Ghost Hunting 101 class. And we will also have Keith back on in three weeks, on July 22nd, to talk with us about New England Vampire Legends. And while we're doing the programming notes, next week we will have Jeff Belanger, who runs the GhostVillage.com website. He's got a new book out. And uh, we, we put out some calls to some other people for some very interesting shows that we have coming up in the future. So... If you have uh, any thoughts or questions about the paranormal, please don't hesitate to give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. And um, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really jonesing here for some good paranormal television now with Ghost Hunters off for the season.
3: I am. I'm waiting.
2: I mean, I'm almost willing to, uh, to go out and get season one and watch it all over again. And, you know, when season one came out, we weren't doing the show, so... To watch it all over again would be to look at it from a different perspective. I mean, now that we kind of know some of these people on a personal level, uh, I mean, that adds a whole new dimension. But we also, I mean, obviously Matt Moniz has been investigating this stuff for a long time, so he looks at it with a different eye than Matt Costa and myself. But it's really interesting when you're more educated about it to go back and watch and see some of the different... I mean, to us it's just, at first, it's just interesting television.
3: Well, not only that, like you said, now you know these people personally, so you can ask them what they were feeling and what they noticed, and more importantly, what wasn't shown on the films. Oh,
2: exactly. And and that's one thing that we are trying to do here at Spooky South Coast, is we're trying to bring these people that are in this field to you directly. Uh, that's why we have people like John Zaffis on, while we have people like Keith Johnson on, while we've had Bud Hopkins and Peter Robbins on. We want you to be able to speak with them and to talk with them and to... Ask them questions directly. Now, we have a listener. um, I don't want to say her name or her location. I don't want to give too much away. But we do have a a loyal listener who is going through her own um, ordeal with the paranormal right now. And so she turned to us for help. She's like, you know, I need some help. There's nobody around where I am that I can trust. So we were able to put her in touch with Keith. And I believe they spoke by phone this week. And that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to be the spooky South Coast community. We're trying to bring everybody together. And, you know, if she has a case that's something key experience, you know, he can learn something new and then different questions can get answered. different things can come up, and all work that way. And we thank everybody out there who has been loyal to us. It's just, it's unbelievable how much it's grown in the last couple of weeks. And we just want to recognize exactly what everybody has helped done for us. Because, you know, there's nothing more satisfying. I, I can tell you, we had over 500 downloads. And one day of our program, uh, we had 450, 400, 350, and one day got over 500, was the most one day. We only got about 12, 13, 14 episodes there. So we have that many people interested in this way. We can sit here as radio talk show hosts and say, wow, that's a really good feeling. That's a big stroke to the ego to have that many people interested in what we're saying. But I don't look at it like that. I look at it as 500 people downloaded our program. Out of that 500, maybe there's 100, 200 maybe people who didn't believe in this stuff previously, that we might have convinced them to open their eyes and to look beyond what it is that they normally see.
3: Or the other 400 hearing pieces of information that they've not heard before that may be somewhat familiar with the topic.
2: Exactly. I mean, if we, if we can educate, if we can help promote, not ourselves, but promote the subject matter and promote the what I think is a viable science, the study of the paranormal,
3: I've seen better science done in the paranormal than some of the stuff I work with daily.
2: Well, that's probably because there's so much more scrutiny to what it is that you're looking at from a paranormal nature. That Say they're not to try a few and help you out. Is that what you found over the years?
3: You'll find, now this is something that most people probably already know. Most scientists, when you talk to them on a personal level, in other words, one-to-one, outside of the laboratory or what have you, have no problems believing in the paranormal if you're talking to them personally. In a professional setting, because of the stigma that's attached to it, and unfortunately the stigma has been attached wrongly, because if you find information, the first thing you're supposed to do is share it. Now, a true scientist will look at information, now, to automatically discount something just because because of its topic, that's not science.
2: Absolutely. I totally agree. I think we have a couple calls here. Uh, let's go to the first one there. Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast. How you doing?
5: Hey, how you doing, guys? All right. It's me and Eagles Angel. Oh, how you doing? Good. Happy Fourth of July. And to you as well. Thanks. Um, I'm kind of going back off your subject, but I wanted to go back to the
2: near-death experiences. Okay, if you can hold on one second. We have our other line ringing, and I think it might be a special guest. We're going to bring her on as well. Oh, excellent. Good evening. you on Spooky South Coast.
6: Hey, what's up? It's Kristen. Hi, Kristen. How you doing?
2: It's Kristen Gartland from Taps and Ghost Hunters. Surprise, an eagle's angel. Wow, surprise. So you don't mind hanging out while she tells us about her NDE, do you? Me? Yeah. Oh, God, no. Okay, so you just have hang- want to hear it. All right, so uh, why don't you tell you've had one personally right?
5: Yes, I did. um I actually did a lot of reading about them too, and i I have to kind of disagree with Matt Menese about the neurons firing off and all um, I've read like many first hand type of stories, compilations by doctors and things, and they do vary a lot um what happened with me um I don't know, like, actually what point I was in when I actually had this experience. I was either dead or I was in a coma. But during this, I, I actually just kind of wandered down hallways. There were, like, no people involved until I found a room that was filled with golden light. And I just, I don't know, I knew that this was something that I could trust and something that was safe. And I I know I was really scared when I was wandering down the hallways. It was like I really just didn't know where I was. I was there. It it was really like you felt like you were there physically, you know. Um, And then I came to this room, and it was like I felt as if something told me to just go in there, lay down, go to sleep, and I'll be safe. And I trusted it enough that I did. I actually physically went into this room and laid down, and I was safe. Um, now, going back to what Matt Maniz said, is there are a lot of doctors that will argue that this is something that was put into the human mind as a program to ease us into death. Um, well, there's one psychological fact that I've learned, like partly through school and partly because my mother did have a Ph.D. in psychology, is that the human brain just cannot fathom itself nodding, in other words, dying. So why would something such as the human brain make a program like this in the first place to ease us into something we don't believe that's going to happen in the first place?
2: Well, I mean... You know, and
5: each one seems so very different that... You know, I could go on for hours about all of the different stories that I've read, but some of them are, yes, personal, but some of them have nothing to do with the person either. And sometimes they come back from these experiences and lead better lives because of them.
2: There, You know, there's a question that pops into my mind when you say that, uh, and that is you say that uh, the mind wouldn't create this program if, if it was going to die. What if the mind doesn't die? What if it is preparing... For another state, uh, I personally have always thought that because we can measure brain death, that doesn't necessarily mean that the brain stops functioning. It just stops exactly. functioning because the brain function that we know it that we uh, have happen every day the synapses firing, you know, the fluids moving through it, all that kind of stuff, all the electrical work is physical. Exactly. I mean, how do we know that when that yeah. electrical stuff stops, there isn't something else that kicks in? within there that no longer requires that electricity i love you guys because
5: <laughs> exactly because once you've lost the body you're going into the parts of the soul where we can't even tread we're still physical
2: i'm sorry
6: Kristen. you, know? you were going to say something um just from strictly a medical point
5: of view and believe me i'm not
6: putting um what you said on the back burner at all because i i do believe that those things can happen um but i've Worked in the medical field a really long time, and when I see a patient that some of them can hallucinate from different medications, and even though when you're in a, you know, when they, whether you're in a medical induced coma or your brain has gone into a coma, they still have you on a pretty heavy dosage of medication, and they do say that people in comas can actually hear you. So I'm wondering if maybe it's a combination of almost hearing people that are actually talking to you and your brain can't really associate with what's going on with the hallucination, so it kind of puts it all together, almost like a matrixing
5: kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm. I mean, just as a different you know, perspective on it.
5: That makes sense. In my particular situation, when I was actually clinically dead, I was completely alone, like on the side of a road. So you'd have to actually read my story to, you know, I don't want to come out and say it on the radio, oh, but wait. it wasn't a good situation that led me. But while I was dead, I was alone. I was lucky to be found.
2: We uh, we have read your story, and we encourage anybody that would be interested, uh, you can go to our website, com. go to the message board, and, and Eagle's Angel was kind enough to post her entire story on there for us. It's, it's very... Um, touching. Yeah, it is touching, and it's very... Uh, it's also a lot to have happen to one person, and, and it really gives you an appreciation for the time and dedication she spent studying all these different aspects of what happened to her. And with the three of you now, uh, with Matt Moniz and Kristen and, and Eagle's Angel on the line, the question that I want to throw out there, and I think a lot of people might have, what is the difference between an NDE, a near-death experience, and an out-of-body experience? Well,
5: you're not dead when you have an out-of-body
2: experience. But in terms of the sensation of what you experience... It's so much similar. It really is. Do you know that you're dead when you're having a near-death experience, or are you just not sure of where you are, the same that you can have in an OBE?
5: I Well, when I was actually in the near-death experience, I didn't really know what was going on. I was just very afraid and alone and walking down the hallways and hoping I'd find my way out of it. The out-of-body experience that I had was actually by accident, and I knew I was out of my body and scared myself so badly that I jumped right back into my body, but the feeling of it was very, it's it's exactly the same thing. So I think if if you have an out-of-body experience, you are actually taking your soul out of your body. I've never been able to do that again. Um, i've tried i've had some pretty good experiences and things doing these things but um it was completely accidental with with the obe so i don't i couldn't say i'm experienced with that
2: you know they there are classes uh that actually teach you how to harness the ability to take yourself out of yourself uh to be able to project yourself astrally uh to be able to leave yourself behind and view other events other parts of the world uh, and even to view yourself from a different point of view so there it is possible i know that uh one of our first guests here on spooky south coast reverend gail hicks out of fall river uh she teaches this uh she teaches people to be able to look outside themselves at things so maybe it might be something you want to try well i know
5: people that can do it i've i actually had one of the administrators on spirited society lives in Chicago touched me here in New Bedford on my shoulder. We, You know, we've done some experimenting. I can, I'm can, i a better receiver, I think, mm-hmm. than anything else. But, I mean, I have experienced this stuff firsthand, and there is definitely something to astral travel and the whole nine yards. I, I hope to someday get there. You know, it, it's funny because we were just talking on your website about how Science and then the psychic side of it that I call, like, science kind of has oh, to meet like for that. the paranormal to go forward. You know, people, like it's funny that Kristen's on the line because I, I, that was one thing that really drew me to the show was hearing someone say ghost magnet openly and to hear it be tapped oh, a big, funny. you know, they're on television all the time. And, you know, that's a big thing to me to hear that kind of term used freely.
6: You know, there's a book that you might want to try to read. Um, it is how it sounds really corny, but it's um, actually a pretty informative book. It's how to improve your psychic abilities, and I believe the woman's name is Ingrid. I don't have it right in front of me, but it is a really good book. It has some practice. There's one of them in there that teaches you how to um, almost have an out of body experience. It's more. It teaches you how to find out what your past lives were. That's
2: um, excellent. we'll, we'll try really to look it up and put a link up on the site too that would
6: yeah, be great you can get it at Barnes and Noble um, I think I've seen them on Ebay and Ebay is like the cheapest place to get books and you know it's really cheap shipping uh, so you try to look for that book I mean that's a really good book I liked it a lot
5: excellent
6: yeah and it will help you too um, as far as you had said that you're a better receiver there may be ways for you to improve on sending
5: information as well
2: and, and you already you already seem to have the ability. So now it's just being able to figure out how to utilize it properly.
5: Definitely. Well, it's also living life too. You you push this kind of stuff on the back burner, and you know, most of my life, I forget if I stayed away from it, it wouldn't bother me anymore. But it doesn't really seem like it's going to happen. So I'm actually facing it. And the funny thing is, now that I've I have actually come out and faced it, I'm happier. You know, I enjoy doing this. I think that, like, I actually belong here. So, you know, whatever I can do in the field to help, I, I actually do enjoy doing a lot.
2: And, and I can tell you uh, from speaking to some of the people I've spoken to on the message board, uh, having you there does a lot of good, especially with uh, the one young lady. Uh, you know who I'm speaking of, the one young lady who is just doesn't know how to deal with what's happening to her, doesn't have supportive family because they don't believe in the paranormal. So, it's it's been good for her to have you and and Deb as well to talk to.
5: See, it's it's tough though when 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 you're in the middle of it and you have no one to turn to. I mean, just the fact of the family that I grew up in, I knew I couldn't go to either my mother and father and tell them what was going on. They either wouldn't believe me or you know, they would have been sending me to a psychiatrist probably. <laughs> You know, so I, I pretty much I kept figuring if I didn't face it it would it would go away, and that just never happened. It, it took a, a long time before like other people actually had instances with it before I got help. so i I really know what it's like to be alone with it. and I don't think anyone should be, I think the more we share our information and try to help each other and be understanding when people are having you know most people get laughed at. Where, where do you go when you're having a problem like that? Jeez, you've got a demon attacking you every night. Where do you go? You know, you talk to one of your friends and they laugh at you.
2: Well, that's what we're trying to be here for, is to yeah. to yeah. not judge and to, to try to help as best we can.
5: No, that's great having your message, but there's so many people can get in contact that way.
2: And you it's, know? it's more or less anonymous, so you don't have to be embarrassed. Yeah. Yep, exactly. All right, well, uh, why don't you give everybody real quick, uh, we have to take a break, but why don't you tell everybody the addresses for the two boards that you run as well
7: okay we've got the spirit
5: society at www.spiritsociety.org and spirited society uh www.spiritedsociety.net and they're the psi and the psi boards
2: and and if you click on our message board on spookysouthcoast.com just look for any post by an eagle's angel And she has links to them there, and and you can check them out as well.
5: I certainly do. And it was great hearing from you again, Kristen. Nice to hear from you as well. I wish you all the
6: best of luck. And if there's anything that I can ever do or you ever need anything, please feel free to email me. I'm right on the uh, website, and I'm sure Tim has a link to that as well.
5: Excellent. I got you on MySpace, too, anyways. (laughs) Oh, you do? How great is that? Yep. I'm an Eagle's Angel on MySpace. I think I have everybody from Taps now. Oh my goodness! I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, anytime you need to. <laughs> oh, mind. that's okay. Well, you guys have a great four. <laughs> you too. And I'm looking forward to the rest of the show.
2: All right. Thank you very much. Good night. Good night. Good night. And uh, and Kristen, um, we are going to talk to some different um, magazines about the paranormal. Do you want to hang out with us tonight, or? Yeah,
7: dude, definitely.
2: All right. So we're gonna we're gonna keep you busy for the next uh, hour and a half or so. <laughs> That's all right with you. Um.
6: Yeah, I probably won't be able to stay the whole hour and a half, but I'll be able to stay as
2: long as I can. All right, well, just let us know if you have to go, and, and we appreciate you joining us on, on short notice. We were talking earlier today uh, because we sent out a MySpace bulletin, and uh, we wanted to let everybody know because I guess there was a situation where uh, there was a show that you were going to be on that was supposed to be available online, and it wasn't. I mean, we don't want to get into any of that kind of stuff but we we wanted to oh
6: yeah yeah i didn't know what you were talking about for a second yeah yeah it actually wasn't available at all it ended up being uh i guess i'll say canceled
2: okay so we wanted to give people that were looking forward to hearing from you just another opportunity to 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 hear what you had to say because that's still one of the most popular episodes of spooky south coast i gotta tell you
6: get out of here really
2: oh i'm serious Wow, and, you know what's funny though is, uh, you're, you're. I think you're going to have to always play second fiddle to the uh, the number one show of all time that we've ever done, the Bridgewater Triangle. I don't know what it is. We have to get taps uh, out there and in investigating the Bridgewater Triangle.
6: Yeah, I mean I've heard so much about it, and uh, I'd like to definitely get out there.
2: We'll have to do that because uh, we uh, we definitely have some other people that are interested in, in joining some investigations as well too. So, oh. uh, and we were wondering, did you get a chance to see Matt Moniz's video that he captured at Waverly Hills?
6: For some reason, I can't load it, and I don't know why. Um, every time I try to load it, it won't let me. So I don't know if I'm doing something wrong, which wouldn't shock me even a little bit. but well,
2: We did have some trouble with it. Um, Matt Costa posted on the message board uh, under Share Your Evidence. Uh, yeah, he... that's
6: where I looked, and I couldn't get it to load.
2: He has a new file that you can download directly. That was the one you were having trouble with?
6: Um, how new is it?
2: Uh, like couple weeks ago i think he put up a link to download the entire we put it up there so that if any paranormal group wants to take it and blow it up and do whatever it is they do we don't know how to do it. we tried we tried using <laughs> adobe premiere and it's just beyond our capabilities but uh we yeah did
6: you know what i'll take a look at it i haven't i mean i haven't looked at it since matt um had emailed me and told me about it but yeah. i'll
2: um i'll look at it again it's definitely it's, it's probably somebody familiar to you can be like oh that's a shadow person i kept walking by the whole time on <sighs> well
3: it's a little hard to be a shadow person when the person is bright white as that me is in the uh, infrared
2: that is true and we've, we've part already that had the makes it, it
3: really interesting is you can see the top half of the body but you can see through the legs
2: well I mean it could be somebody with skinny chicken legs too wearing shorts <laughs> alright we've got to take a break though and on the other side we will be talking to Jason McCurry the media reporter for Ghost Magazine so stay tuned here on Spooky South Coast
1: don't look now but Spooky South Coast is creeping up behind you right after this it's alive! It's
2: Speaking of Frankenstein, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to do it again. Uh, for those of you who didn't hear my uh, my Edgar Winter joke, uh, you can check it out on the Spooky South Coast archives. I'm not going to do that again. That was embarrassing. Uh, anyway, welcome back here to Spooky South Coast. We are talking about different magazines uh, that deal with the paranormal and uh, we have uh, actually right on the line with us right now is Kristen Gartland from the Atlantic Paranormal Society. How are you, Kristen? I am very well. How are you? We brought you in in the middle of that phone call there, but it was, it was great because, uh, you know, you, you have some interesting uh, expertise to bring in to the situations an uh, eagle's angel is talking about. Yep. So now TAPS has their own magazine, of course.
7: We
6: do.
2: TAPS ParamaG, and it's produced uh, locally, actually, right? Right out of Fall River? Yep. And uh, have, you, have you written any stories for the magazine? I have. I wrote one
6: um, about the story that I had shared with you the last time I was on yep. your
2: show. Well, well, we'll have to get a back issue of that.
6: Yeah, I think I might actually have one that I can send
2: you. Oh, that would be excellent. We would appreciate that. I might be doing some writing for the magazine myself, so hopefully, oh, cool. if it all works out. And uh, um, we also have joining us on the line. Oh, before before we bring them in, uh, how involved are you with the new magazine, Scars Magazine?
6: Dude, that magazine is awesome.
2: That's what I've been hearing.
6: Yeah, um, Ray, who is um, one of the guys from Scars and um, Topher, and I, actually Mandy is another person that's a graphic graphic artist on there, and it is just put together amazing.
2: Uh, and now, you know, it's
6: for horror fans too. So I mean, anybody who loves any kind of horror, you will definitely love this magazine, and it's so worth. The money, because there really isn't anything out there that is this informative and this in depth into horror movies.
2: So, and uh, Brian really Brian's writing for them too, as well, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's going to be that uh, aspect of somebody. I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, Brian is a true horror fan. Oh yeah. So I mean, this is put out by people that are passionate about about the subject. So mm-hmm. it's definitely worth checking out now. And it's already hit the newsstands, right? It came out in June. Uh, i believe so yeah so. well if you go if you go on to uh, to our myspace or Kristen's myspace uh, you can go to myspace.com spooky south coast uh, we have all the scars people there and you can contact them and find out how you can get a subscription because i think they're offering a special deal right now
6: yeah they are i think they cut them i think it's 40 percent off and it's um www.scarsmagazine.com.
2: perfect there you go and uh,
6: you just go to subscriptions and they'll show you uh, some of the pages that are in the magazines, too, which is cool. So you're not just, you know, getting it blind. I mean, they give you a good kind of insight as to what's there.
2: And and we have on the line with us also uh, from another terrific magazine that we are big fans of here. We have Jason McCurry, who is the media reporter for Ghost Magazine. How are you tonight, Jason?
8: I'm doing great. How are you?
2: I'm very well. Great. And so uh, Ghost Magazine started fairly recently?
8: Um, yes, they did. Um, they actually started online in 1990. I'm sorry, not nineteen. It was 2004, online.
2: And it started as originally as an online magazine, and then went into a print version.
8: It did. Mm-hmm. In '95, it went in print.
2: And and so, uh, what kind of subscription do they have? What kind of uh, you know audience are they drawing? Is this nationwide? Is this um, international? Actually,
8: uh, I think it's more international now. Um, I think that you know started out kind of um, nationally, but it's kind of spread. You know, I know we're in Canada. I know we're in. Um, uh in england you know different places um
2: and it, it was started by uh the the publisher's name is melody bussey is am i pronouncing that correct that's right uh-huh. and she seems to have a, a pretty laid-back tone to things uh at least emailing her back and forth a, a pretty laid-back tone about the paranormal like hey this stuff is real right and you know let's just talk about it as such let's not worry about can we back this up and also, you know, let's just tell the stories and get the information out there. And that seems to be the tone of the magazine.
8: Oh, exactly, yeah.
2: And, and as a media reporter, what exactly is your job for the magazine?
8: Oh, well, what I do is um, anything that basically has to do with, with the media, you know, uh, uh, new television programs that's coming up, um, people that's, uh, you know, in the news as far as, you know, paranormal-related, ghost-related, um, that kind of thing.
2: We don't know anybody that's on TV about the paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> and and so uh, how much has Ghost Hunters been a part of uh, what it is that you do for the magazine? I mean, how much reporting on Ghost Hunters have you done?
8: Um, well, I, I haven't actually done it on uh, on Ghost Hunters per se. Um, I think like my first um, article in uh, Ghost on the Small Screen, I mentioned Ghost Hunters because, you know, that's one of the staple shows Um out there now about ghost hunting and a very well respected show by the way and I love it (laughs)
2: and and do you think that that has been the catalyst for a lot of these other paranormal shows that have popped up
8: I I think so yeah Mm -hmm. I think that um, a lot of shows that you know that will come out in the future will be uh, patterned after that um, because they do such a good job with you know what they do
2: And, and it was one of the first to at least on television to promote the scientific method of ghost research and not just you know Running around with a proton pack on your back, trying to bust ghosts. <laughs>
8: exactly. Yeah, I think that that um, that gets uh, people's attention more and uh, gets their respect to, to you know to want to know more about this phenomena and you know.
2: Now, now, Kristen, Ghost Hunters is one of the highest-rated programs on the Sci Fi Channel, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's totally redefined. You know what that network has been able to do in terms of their own original programming. Yeah, it really has. And and uh, Jason, do you think that? As, as more of these programs pop up, do you think that that's going to have an effect on how accepted the paranormal is?
8: I think so. I think, um, uh, you know, as more and more shows come out, um, you know, in the past year, um, that, you know, it's, it's, it is getting to be more um, accepted in the mainstream. Especially, you know, psychics. There's a whole slew of psychic shows um, that sit in the airways now. And I just think that, you know, people are more wise to it. And um, as time comes, they're going to be, you know, just even more, um, you know, wise to, you know, ghost phenomena. And it's, you know, I think that's a good
2: thing. It's interesting that they, they paired Ghost Hunters, uh, the the back nine of season two, they paired it with a psychic show for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And the psychic show kind of died out. Is that what happened, Kristen?
6: Um, I think it did, yeah. Um, and I, I don't know why that is. I don't know if. I mean, personally, I think there are people out there that have an amazing gift. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hate to see um, almost, I think it's one of the shows is like Psychic Detectives or something like that. Um, and being in law enforcement myself, I, I, I wouldn't, you know, base anything on a psychic. Only because it's not evidence right in front of you. Exactly. You know, so that's, I mean, I, I don't want to down them because I really think that there are legitimate psychics. Um, but it's just nothing to really back it up on... Video, paper, tape, whatever, you know, so it makes it
2: kind of hard. But it it did seem uh, a little strange that for all the, uh, especially Jason, all the discrediting Jason does of psychics on Ghost Hunters, for them to pair those two shows up. uh, uh, Jason McCurry here, who we're speaking with from Ghost Magazine, do you think that that is uh, just a case of trying to put two similar programs together, that they're trying to, you know, they see ghost, they see psychic, and they try to put them together into a block?
8: Yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, they, Ghost Hunters was such a, or is, such a popular show that they was hoping that, you know, bringing the was it Psychic at Large, and that the name yeah, of Yeah, that show? was Psychic at Large. Yeah. Um, they was hoping that maybe that uh, Ghost Hunters audience would, you know, kind of bleed over into that show as well, and apparently it didn't work that way.
2: Well, isn't there a kind of a danger level of, of pairing shows together like that?
8: Yeah, I think so. Um, especially whenever, you know, one show, you know, really deals uh, a lot more with, uh, with the, scientific, you know, approach. And then, you know, the other show is just basically um, psychic, you know, that really has no scientific backing, you know, whatsoever. There's no real balance there.
2: And what are some of the, uh, I mean, we know that there's the new one with Haunted Evidence. Uh-huh. And uh, we, when we spoke to Heidi Hollis, there was another show being planned called X-Ops, I mean, are there going to be more of these shows on the horizon? Have you heard about other ones? I know John Zaffis is working on one.
8: Um, John Holland is working on one for um, uh, History Channel. Ah. He recently did a pilot for the History Channel called uh, Psychic History. And um, they aired that one uh, sometime last week um, in Waco, Texas. And it actually looked pretty you know, pretty
2: good. There is a lot, uh, a lot more History Channel specials and A uh, and E specials regarding the paranormal, which oh yeah, which is huge because you're bringing it to. I mean, there are people in this country who just turn on the History Channel and watch nothing but. I mean, right, uh, right on up to Tony Soprano. You know, just watch the History Channel constantly, and these people are going to start to see this stuff and say, well, "Well, now wait a minute," because all I remember are these ghost stories from when I was a kid. I don't remember there being evidence. I don't remember there being proof.
8: Right.
2: So and at Ghost Magazine now, what is your outlook uh, toward the future of the paranormal? Are you looking at it as uh, a fad that's going to die out after a while, or are you looking at it as this is something that is now starting to really be recognized as legitimate?
8: Uh, I think um, uh, now it's, it's being uh, recognized more as legitimate, you know, because, you know, there's a lot more information on uh, the Internet about, you know, Ghosts and hauntings and stuff, and you know, from reputable organizations, you know, like TAPS. Um, and I, I don't think it's going to die out very soon.
2: And and what are some of the features that uh, readers can find in Ghost Magazine every month? Um, you can
8: find, you know, we have a a clubroom uh, section where um, we speak with um, various paranormal organizations around the world. Um, and there's a uh, spirit science where they talk about, you know, the science of ghost hunting. Um, And, you know, there's, of course, you know, movie reviews and uh, book reviews and, you know, things like that. And then, of course, we also have, um, you know, where we interview um, psychics and, uh, you know, just uh, everything that has to deal with uh, um, ghosts and the paranormal.
2: And I noticed uh, in one of the issues that I have, I don't know if it's a regular feature or not because uh, I don't, always read about the video game section but you did have a ghostly game guide in one of the one of yeah. the issues where it talks about different video games that deal with paranormal elements and i think that's uh, pretty unique
8: oh yeah yeah um and i actually really i think it's uh, mike gavin that um that does that and mm-hmm. i really enjoy that um that particular you know column myself
2: because i would love to play games like that but i just i don't find them out on the shelf it's one of those things that you really have to uh go to a video game-only store or request them to ship it to you.
8: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, it's really, really hard to find. It's like looking for a needle in a haystack, trying to find, you know, really good ghostly games. So I think, you know, Ghost Magazine is really, um, you know, putting them out there for, you know, people to kind of notice.
2: Now, you have a regular staple of uh, of really talented writers, um, but do you welcome contributions from readers? Um,
8: yeah, we do, Um and uh, any you know any time a reader has um, an idea for uh, an article or whatever, um, they can contact um, Melody or uh, or Fletcher, you know, our, our um, um, editor in chief and our managing editor, and you know just uh, let them know what they're thinking about and you know go from there.
2: And of course, you can get a hold of them at ghostmag.com, or you can uh, we have Melody's email right here. Uh, Bussy, that's M-B-U-S-S-E-Y, at ghostmag.com. It's right in the magazine. And, of course, uh, we found this locally. That's how we first discovered it. Uh, let's just say, because of advertising problems here, there is a local store that deals solely in magazines, and they carry a whole slew of paranormal magazines, and Ghost Magazine is featured prominently. And it's a very attractive magazine. It's got a very glossy cover. Uh, the pages, it's very easy to read, so, you know, if you have eyesight problems, don't worry about it. You can get through it. And it really has a good feel to it, and, and I like what you guys are doing with this magazine.
8: Thank you, thank you very much.
2: So uh, we are coming up on a news break here, but we thank you, Jason, for joining us. Thank and you. Hopefully, uh, we can have different uh, writers and, and people from Ghost Magazine on with us in the future. So, anytime you have anything that you guys need to think needs to be mentioned, just shoot us an email at uh, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast dot com.
8: Right, sure will. Thank you.
2: All right, thank you. Oh, have a good one. All right, you do. And yeah, I mean, really for to to be it's one thing to be able to read about this stuff in magazines. Kristen, you've had a, a a lifelong interest in this kind of stuff pretty much. Yep. And how hard was it when you know when we were younger trying to read about this? It's in you know like the dime novels, the the pulp fiction type magazines, uh you know, these little tiny I'm, I'm just echoing all over the place here tonight. <laughs> it's just weird. It's 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 nothing when we're doing it we can tell. But I mean we used to have to read about these in these little crappy dime type magazines. and now you know, we can read about it in full living color. Oh yeah! Like the Tap's Paramag is just—it's another yeah. beautiful magazine. It's, yeah. And when you go into the uh, when you go into the magazine store, you can't help but see this one scream at you either. Yeah, uh, it's
6: fantastic. I think that's one of the good things
2: about it. Who, do you know who does the artwork for the for the covers? Um,
6: I believe Ray does it. Uh, he also does scars. I, I, I can't say for sure though because, um. I just
4: can't
2: say
6: for sure. <laughs> but it's beautiful. I, like the, I have to say, I love the way that, that Jason's Magazine is going about, um, going about it by just saying, look, we believe that it's here, so let's just put aside how can you prove it. Let's just talk about it. I like that.
2: Exactly. All I right.
6: really do like that.
2: Well, we are coming up on the news. On the other side, we will talk to Unexplained Paranormal Magazine's Rose Pressy. And William J. Burns, publisher of UFO Magazine. That'll come after the section that we call The Week and Weird. And we also just got a special call uh, a few minutes ago while we were on the air. We are going to talk to Phyllis Galdi, the publisher of Fate Magazine, the Reader's Digest of the Paranormal. So you First, won't want to miss this. Stay tuned.
1: Talk and- I'm knitting myself a
7: hat.
4: And I'm sewing up a head to wear it on.
7: I'm making myself some mittens. And I'm stitching my fingers together to keep them warm inside.
4: I'm knitting myself a sweater. To cover the body and wearing. I <laughs> knitting,
5: I <laughs> had
7: knitting, I <laughs> knitting, I had knitting, I knitting, I knitting, I had knitting.
2: Number two, Spooky South Coast, our special magazine edition of Spooky South Coast, where we are talking to some of the biggest names in paranormal publishing. And it doesn't get any bigger than the special surprise guests that we're going to have for you in a few moments. Uh, we already have one surprise guest now. We have Kristen Gartland from the Atlantic Paranormal Society, who was kind enough to take time out of our schedule and join us. And we will also talk in a few minutes, right after the week in Weird, to Phyllis Galdi, who is the publisher of Fate magazine, Fate, which has been around for over 50 years now, publishing True Tales of the Paranormal. We will talk to her, uh, as well as Rose Pressey, the publisher of Unexplained Paranormal magazine, a new magazine hitting the newsstands this month, and William J. Burns, the publisher of UFO magazine. So action-packed hour coming up, so you don't want to miss it. But before we get into all of that, we are quickly going to go through a little something that... Us three, spooky crew guys here, like to call the weak and weird. So, here's something that's a little bit weird for you. Not exactly a news story, but something we want to make you aware of. On Monday, July 3rd, like we said, we like to uh, talk about coast to coast here because you can't deny coast to coast. It's huge. It's worldwide, and it is breaking ground in the paranormal. And on July 3rd, George Norrie will return from his vacation. And according to the Coast to Coast AM website, he will have opening remarks regarding the JFK assassination. A source of George's has told him why and what group killed JFK. So that is, I guess, at the top of the show on July 3rd. You don't want to miss that. And, of course, uh, we'll recap that. Maybe we'll even put in a call to George and see if we can get him to come on and talk about it uh, as well. Who knows? We'll, we'll see if, uh, if we can pull that off. But and when it comes to the Week in Weird, we bring you only the weirdest stories, including one from the Associated Press. Another Stonehenge has been discovered in the Amazon. A centuries-old granite grouping may have served as an observatory. In Sao Paulo, Brazil, a grouping of granite blocks along a grassy Amazon hilltop may be the vestiges of a centuries-old astronomical observatory, a find that archaeologists say shows early rainforest inhabitants were more sophisticated than previously believed. The 127 blocks, some as high as 9 feet tall, are spaced at regular intervals around the hill, like a crown 100 feet in diameter. On the shortest day of the year, December 21st, the shadow of one of the blocks disappears when the sun is directly above it. Anthropologists have long known that local indigenous populations were acute observers of the stars and the sun, But the discovery of a physical structure that appears to incorporate this knowledge suggests pre-Columbian Indians in the Amazon rainforest may have been more sophisticated than previously suspected. While they haven't yet carbon dated the stones, they appear to be about 2,000 years old. This comes just a month after archaeologists discovered the oldest astronomical observatory in the Western Hemisphere, about 4,200 years old, in Lima, Peru. And that story is almost as interesting as the first time we discussed it on The Week in Weird. When Matt Costa told us about it. See, I just tune him out so I don't pay attention to what he's saying. I just wait, and then when he's done, I listen to the last couple of words of what he says and make my wise-ass comment. So, Matt Moniz, save me.
3: I'll do what I can. This comes uh, from uh, Joe Rayo about a huge asteroid flying by uh, Earth on July 3rd. An asteroid, possibly as large as a half a mile or more in diameter, is rapidly approaching Earth. There is no need for concern, for no collision is in the offing. But the space rock will make an exceptionally close approach to our planet early on Monday, July 3rd, passing just beyond the moon's average distance from the Earth, which is about 186,000 miles away. Astronomers will attempt to get more accurate assessment of the asteroid size by pinging it with radar. Skywatchers with good telescopes and some experiences just might be able to get a glimpse of this cosmic rock as it streaks rapidly past the planet in the wee hours on Monday. The closest approach occurs late Sunday for U.S. Coast Skywatchers. The asteroid, designated 2004 XP-14, was discovered on December 10, 2004 by the Lincoln Laboratory Near-Earth Asteroid Research, known as the acronym LINEAR a continuing camera survey to keep watch for asteroids that may pass uncomfortably close to Earth. Although initially there were concerns that this asteroid might possibly impact Earth later this century and thus merit special monitoring, further analysis of this orbit has since ruled out any such collision, at least for the foreseeable future.
2: So we uh, we are safe from this one. It doesn't mean there isn't another one coming right up behind it. But... uh... It's all
3: right. F- we got Bruce Willis to save us.
2: Well, you know what would be funny is if, imagine if that did hit, like, on the 3rd or 4th of July. That'd be some major fireworks. Are we sure it's an asteroid? Are we sure it's not the aliens? Because, you know, that is the day we celebrate our Independence, Independence day. day. Matt Costa, please save both of us now.
4: I'll try. A man by the name of Gary Levine is spending $10 million to, to build a cemetery under the ocean. Under construction three miles off the coast of Key Biscay, Florida, Atlantis Memorial Reef is an underwater graveyard and scuba attraction that will open this month and eventually hold the remains of up to 80,000 people. Those who are willing to pay between $900 and $250,000 can get you into this Disneyland, this Disneyland for the dead. Once it's complete, the site will span 15 acres on the ocean floor and consist of five circles Based loosely on an account of the of Atlantis in Plato's dialogue Timaeus, Levine has Levine has planned forty themed areas, including love, education, the military, and the zodiac, all overseen by by a bronze display of winged lion and three dolphins pulling a chariot of the Greek sea god Poseidon.
2: Isn't it just a lot cheaper just to burn yourself up and spread your ashes over the ocean? Yeah. Seems that way to me. But then again, you know, I'm not rich and able to pull this kind of stuff off. I mean, when you're rich, you find ways to spend money in different ways. You know, Matt, that other story that you have that I'm a very big fan of, do you want to read that real quick? Sure. sure, sure. Okay.
4: From the Associated Press, uh, Europe's first detox clinic for game addicts has opened in Amsterdam this past week. Though many may say video games are innocent enough, Dr. Keith Baker says that games can be as addictive as drugs. Keith Baker is opening a rehab center that offers in-house treatment for gamers who just can't leave the controller alone. He already has 20 patients being treated with withdrawal symptoms from computer games. Baker says, quote, there can be anxiety, panic attacks, sleep problems, and shaking as a result of game addiction. If a coke addict says that they wanted to go out to a club, we'd be worried. Worried they might be uh, meeting their dealer. But if a gamer said they wanted to go out, they'd throw a party. The program will consist <laughs> of an inpatient stay of four to eight weeks with a discussion group with therapists to help them cope with a game withdrawal.
2: Wow, and, and where were they when I was 14? That's what I want to know. And one more story from Chuck Shepard's newsoftheweird.com, a great site where you can read some of these stories that go out into some newspapers, uh, none locally, but uh, ChuckShepard's Still more challenges to Christianity. In May, the Times of London reported on Japan's Shingo Village which is well known to locals and practically no one else as the burial place of Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus Christ buried in Japan. According to documents written in ancient Japanese, Jesus supposedly moved to Shingo from Jerusalem as a young man, married Miyuko, became a farmer, and died at age 106. But that can't be true, according to Catherine Jarahalal, 35, a Hindu woman with a criminology degree living in Durban, South Africa, because she is certain that she herself is Jesus Christ after awakening one day in 2004 with a swollen arm containing a miracle-producing stigmata, according to a daily report according to report in Durbin's Post. So, thank you, Chuck Shepard, for solving that problem for us. We now know that Jesus is not buried in Japan. He is alive and well and living in South Africa in the form of Catherine Jawaharlal. So, that is The Week in Weird. Again, if you have any stories that you would like to submit to us for The Week in Weird, do so on our website, SpookySouthCoast.com. Go to the message board. There's a section there for the Week and Weird. Just drop a link or the text right in there, and if we read it, we will give you credit. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we will bring Kristen Gartland from TAPS back in with us, and we will also talk to Phyllis Galdi, the publisher of the world-renowned Fate magazine, and a whole lot more. So stay tuned here on Spooky South Coast.
1: Beaming from the studios of AM 1420 WBSM into the night and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast.
0: watching
2: I always feel like somebody's watching me, and that somebody is watching me right now, right behind me. Who is it? See anybody? Every time I look, he goes away. See? Oh! Not fast enough. I don't know what I'm talking about here. I drank a huge energy drink before I came in for the show, so I'm all all messed up, so I apologize. Why don't we bring back in our special guest host uh, via telephone this evening? Uh, Kristen Gartland from Taps and Ghost Hunters, Kristen are you still with us? I am, oh wow, you are loyal. I
6: am. <laughs> I would have I hung up
2: on ago. us a long time ago,
6: yeah, I was listening. I like listening. I was a little uh disturbed by the whole Jesus burial thing, but
2: yeah, it's a little bit strange uh we we don't uh we don't discriminate here when it comes to the weird stories,
6: yeah, apparently not
2: <laughs> I mean uh and of course, you know you know uh you know Keith and Renee both very well, I'm sure. And uh, we, we had a, a whole two hours where we had to keep apologizing last week that we weren't trying to step on any religion's toes as we talked about some of this stuff. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shaky ground for sure. And uh, we also have joining us now a special surprise guest, uh, a honor, a very uh, distinct honor to speak with, with this person, Phyllis Galdi, the publisher of Fate magazine. Uh, and, of course, Fate has been around for over 50 years as basically the Reader's Digest of the Paranormal, Phyllis. Do you feel that that's an accurate description?
7: I think that's an excellent description. Thank you.
2: Well, thank you, and thank you for putting out such a wonderful magazine because every month it is chock full with, you know, all kinds of stories, um, really well-researched, well-written stories, uh, personal accounts from readers. Uh, and Phyllis, uh, of course, uh, does the diligent work of going through all the newspaper headlines and, and compiling them all into a section I see by the papers. They also have book reviews. They have uh, Hilly Rose publishes a column. And, uh, of course, at the end of every episode, uh, every issue, after you've gotten through all that, you have a great column by the amazing Godwin. So it's, it's definitely well organized. Now, how long have you been involved with Fate?
7: Since uh, the late 80s, actually, when uh, the previous owner, Llewellyn Publications, bought Fate magazine from Curt and Mary Fuller. I was an editor for them, so I started helping out with the magazine and just became more and more involved and finally wound up buying it.
2: And now does Fate follow a similar format to what it's always used, or uh, have you incorporated a lot of new things since you took over?
7: Well, actually, we've gone uh, more retro. I think that the ten years that Welland had it, they went more in a new age direction, and since we've taken it over, we've restored it back to its small original digest size for ten years. It was, was large size. Regular size, and uh, just try to go back to the vision of the founders of and Mary Fuller, and adhering to their principles.
2: Well, my my favorite section of the magazine every month is uh, the "50 Years Ago in Fate," when you can read about some of these stories that were uh, in, you know in the past. Uh, and now, how do you decide what stories to run in that section? I mean, do you have an archivist that goes through all the stories, or you, you know, you try to find ones that are similar to other issues that we're talking about today?
7: We argue and fight about it a little bit, (laughs) and then I make an executive decision. (laughs) No, lots of times I get voted down, but uh, no, it's just kind of, uh, it's interesting because fate kind of writes itself. The articles and the energy is is just kind of put in in front of us, and we try to be somewhat intuitive and and honor that uh, energy because I think the magazine has its own its own essence, its own personality, and we are basically stewards of the magazine. Is
2: there, uh, is there a kind of a pressure to live up to the reputation of Fate each and every month?
7: Oh, certainly, and and we catch heck if we don't. If they don't like uh, an article or how something is presented, or too many ghost stories, too many UFO stories, oh boy, we hear it. Yeah, the other readers are very, very vocal and very vehement because it's their magazine, and we just. Um, do the work to put it together for the readers. So it, they really kind of um, make their demands and their preferences known, and we t- we do try to honor that. And but yes, they call us up, they write us letters, they send us emails, and they, they give us holy heck if they don't like what we're doing. So we don't we don't have much choice to to veer
2: off the path very much. And of course, uh, for our listeners, if you haven't had the chance to check out Fate, which is uh, available locally at fine bookstores and and magazine stores, you can go to Fatemag.com and get an idea of what we're talking about. And Phyllis, you have a a great stable of of regular writers each and every month. Uh, How do you go about deciding what stories to cover? Do the writers pitch the ideas, or do you assign them out, or is there there some sort of, you know, like a master list of things that you need to cover? Um, All of
7: the above. It just It depends on what's going on. We do have a huge stable of writers. I mean, we have like a two-foot-high stack of articles that need to be gone through now and uh, evaluated and decided upon. And if there's a a specific article, then we have quite a few folks that we can call, hey, write this up for us.
2: And and there are some terrific stories right in this month's issue alone. Uh, Of course, Brad Steiger always contributes uh, something that you'll talk about with people after you read it. Uh, and then they also have a, a story about the sun god uh, in here as well uh, on the trail of the Oracle of Delphi. I mean, some of these uh, ancient mysteries and stuff. And there's also a little bit more of a current story, uh, one that was really interesting to me, reporting on UFOs, how the mainstream press avoids UFO stories by Tim R. Sports. And you have a, a photo here of a UFO story being written, crossed out in red ink with the letter KILL, written on it, you know, to kill the story. And that's something that happens all too often in regular mainstream newspapers and magazines. Is there ever a story that would be too bizarre for fate?
7: Well, um, gosh. I guess if if an article has a ring of truth to it, and it depends on if it's a reputable writer, but yes, of course, we we reject probably two-thirds of the articles that we receive.
2: And do you find uh, with dealing with such a, a broad spectrum of stories, do you find that eventually it is hard to distinguish what has a ring of truth and what doesn't? Because you have some very talented writers who could probably pass off total fiction as sounding like a nonfiction story. I mean, is it hard to draw that line?
7: Well, there's three or four of us that read each article. On Ernest Hemingway had what he called the crap detector. <laughs> and we like to think our crap detector, detector is fairly well-honed And also, it's the goosebump factor, too. If I read an article, especially a true mystic experience or my proof of survival, and I get this, like, super chills and goosebumps, then you pretty much know that it's an authentic uh, personal experience.
2: And and those are another uh, couple of great segments of the magazine every month, Uh, as you said, uh, true mystic experiences and real stories of survival, where readers write in their own accounts of things that happen. And I like the fact that you put in a photo of them as well, because it conveys that these are real people. You know, you get a chance to see, hey, it's a normal person. It's not some uh, some closet hermit making this stuff up. So, and, and is that a requirement to have a letter published? Do you need to send along a photo as well?
7: Oh, no, no, no. And we, we ask them, I and most of them are definitely amateur, blurry photos, bad Polaroids. But uh, we figure, unless it's, it's really terrible, that a bad picture is better than no picture at all because it's, it's it, it it's a psychic uh, connection too. It helps bring the personality of the writer into the story.
2: And in addition to Fate Magazine, you also run Galdi Press, which publishes a huge catalog of books on the paranormal and ancient mysteries and all you know diverse subjects that you wouldn't find uh, on a regular bookshelf. Um, you know how how does it come about that these books get published? Are they the writers that you work with from Fate or? Do people pitch to you because they know that you publish these type of books?
7: Well, they're they're totally separate entities. I mean, there is a small amount of overlap, but Gaudi Press was mm-hmm. started long before. Well, actually, was it in the early 90s? I mean, I was somewhat involved with Fate, but but only as an employee. So they are they are separate entities, and the authors come from different parts of the of the world. Some of them are mainstream, and some are more metaphysical, paranormal.
2: And, and what are some of the uh, upcoming titles that you have coming out? Anything uh, new and exciting in the works? For Galdi Press, we have a
7: very interesting book called Precipitated Spirit Paintings by Ron Nagy, who is um, a tour guide at Lilydale, a spiritual camp in New York. And he has done an incredible research on precipitated spirit paintings, which is to say paintings that were done by, by mediums they would put a cloth over a canvas and put their hands on it, and some invisible entity would, would create a picture in a matter of half an hour, 45 minutes. And it's just they've absolutely not been able to prove any fraud with these. They've been demonstrated, documented, witnessed by many, many hundreds of people throughout the years. And the, the mediums, the, the good mediums who did those paintings are no longer with us, but, but the pictures are just absolutely beautiful.
2: And what are some of the uh, upcoming stories that we might find in the next issue of fate? Well, we have the
7: one by Joyce Keller, who is a known um, TV radio personality, lives in uh, New Jersey, New York. It's all the same to me, I'm sorry. but uh, she was there after 9/11, and she and her husband acted as like, like conduits for souls and spirits passing through this portal. They had some kind of a vortex in their apartment that, that faced the uh, Twin Towers. Wow. And it's a very powerful but a very healing story about the souls who who they helped uh, go into the light that, that terrible day. Okay. It just, I mean, it's it, it, it just some hope comes out of it because the souls were able to, to pass through. I mean, firemen and, and workers and, and some didn't know they were dead and wanted to go back and just, just all kinds of very... Strange, heartwarming, and, and poignant um, examples of, of what those souls experienced when they were when they were leaving the earth.
2: And uh, if you would like to subscribe to Fate Magazine, you can go to their website, fatemag.com, dot uh, and they can also call this eight hundred number. Correct one 2730
7: Correct. And for three dollars, we can we'll send you the current issue just as a courtesy to let folks know what Fate is about.
2: And it's really uh, it's it's. First rate, it, this is definitely the definitive magazine on the strange and the unknown. And, uh, and of course, you can also uh, send them an email if you want to share your story, fate at fatemag.com. And, uh, as I said, it is available locally. Phyllis, we're going to have to make this a regular thing, I think.
7: Oh, I'd love that. I'd right. love it. Oh, well, by the way, too, we pay for the articles that we publish in Fate. So all the folks who send in their stories are compensated.
2: Uh-huh. See, there you go, Kristen.
7: Right. <laughs> I should be writing to you more often.
2: There you go. All right, well, uh, Phyllis, we thank you, and we'll definitely have you back in the future. Okay, thanks. Thank you for joining us. Okay, good night. Good night. bye Very, very honored to have Phyllis on, because Fate Magazine, as I said, it is the standard bearer for paranormal journalism. We are going to take another quick break. On the other side, we will talk to Rose Pressey, who is putting out a new magazine called Unexplained Paranormal Phenomenon. I'm, I'm sorry, Unexplained <laughs> Unexplained Paranormal Magazine. Sorry, I'm... Bouncing around all my magazine titles tonight, and we will talk to her, and we will also talk to William J. Burns, publisher of UFO Magazine, and of course Kristen's still hanging on with us. She's a trooper. <laughs> she was like, "Yeah, I'm falling asleep. You guys are boring." <laughs> I'm sorry.
6: What did you say? Yeah, <laughs> uh,
2: exactly. All right, we'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast.
1: Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. <laughs> A spell on you. Because of my...
2: Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Screaming Tim Weisberg here. Behind the controls, we have Whispering Matt Costa. And over beside me on the other side, we have Science Advisor, pretty evenly keeled toned Matt Moniz. We are talking to a variety of paranormal magazines tonight. We also have our special guest host on the line as well, Kristen Gartland from Taps and Ghost Hunters. Kristen, you do you read a lot of these magazines?
6: Um, yeah, I do. I like them. I like to read a wide variety of them, actually, and I'm pretty glad that I got to be on tonight with all of them.
2: <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it also uh, it also gives you a chance to network with them as well because, you know, you never know when you're going to have a story that, you know, you could sell to one of them.
6: Yeah, definitely. I have, uh, I have one now. <laughs> oh,
2: see, there you go. So uh, with all these different magazines on, somebody's going to buy it from you.
6: Oh, I don't want them to buy it. I don't think that I would have to do that. Well, I just like letting people know
2: what's out there. But yeah, but, I mean, as a writer, I mean, I, I can understand why fate would pay for articles because, as a, you know, as a writer, you like to be compensated for your work.
6: Yeah, have you seen me write? I'm not a very good writer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't think they charge. They don't charge extra for the uh, spell checking and the editing. <laughs> <laughs> So we have joining us on the line, the publisher, writer, all everything for a brand new magazine coming out this month called Unexplained Paranormal Magazine. If you want to get a little sneak peek at it, check it out, www.unexplainedmag.com. We have Rose Pressey. How are you tonight, Rose? I'm good. How are you? Oh, we're very well. We're spooktacular, as we like to say here. (laughs) Thank you for having me on your show. Oh, thank you for joining us. And so this new magazine, this new venture that you have, uh, how long has this been in the works?
9: Well, not a long time. (laughs) A few months I've been working on it, and we have the first issue out right now. I just finished it probably uh, last week.
2: And what what topics exactly are you covering, uh, not only in this issue of the magazine, but do you hope to cover uh, during its run?
9: You know, I want to cover everything um, that is unexplained. You know, anything, cryptozoology, ancient mysteries, UFOs, crop circles, ghost hauntings, you name it. I want to have it in
2: the magazine. And how is it that you decided that you wanted to put this magazine together? I know that you run a, a website um, dealing with something totally different.
9: Right, I do. Um, well, you know, uh, I've always been interested in the paranormal, and I, that started as a small child. And I had an encounter with as an adult with um, the paranormal. So that just increased my interest even more.
2: What, would you like to share your experience with us? <laughs> Well,
9: actually, the... Or is I, it in the first issue of the magazine? It, it is. It is in the first issue. I felt that that would be, you know, perfect for me to add that to the first issue because that's kind of what, you know, started it.
2: Oh, absolutely. It, you know,
9: it, it increased my, um, you know, interest in it. So I, I, felt like that would be appropriate to add and, that story.
2: And this magazine comes from a pretty haunted area. Uh, you live in a pretty haunted area, don't you?
9: Uh, well, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, and um, of course we have Waverly. <laughs>
2: our, our own science advisor uh, investigated it uh, recently, and of course Kristen is on the line with us. Right. And you know we all saw what happened to her
9: there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she was there not too long ago. Right. Yeah. You know, I haven't been there yet, and well, I can't wait to get in there.
2: Uh, Kristen, if you yeah, ever do go,
6: please. It, it is it, put it on your top ten places to go. <laughs>
9: oh. I, Most definitely. Yes, yeah. I. Uh, hopefully soon, within the next few months, I will be there.
2: And, and I'm sure Kristen would like to uh, relate to you her experiences there as well for the magazine. I would.
9: I would love to hear them. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And if you're hopefully, going to go I'll there, have.
6: Let know, uh, and I'll call um, the people from Waverly for you.
9: Oh, yes. You know, actually, I have, um, just started speaking with them about getting in. But any um, help on that, I would appreciate it very much. So, hopefully, I'll get my own story of my own to have in the magazine about my my visit. Oh, well,
6: <laughs> you will believe me.
9: I've heard. I've heard that you are guaranteed something will happen when you go.
2: It, it, yeah. As Matt Moniz going to test you yeah. as well. I mean, at least when when Kristen went, she went with tap. So you know, right. they've got they've got uh, top of the line equipment. You know, they've got. I mean, chances are when you go, most of the stuff that happens to you is, you know personal experience anyway. Right. But I mean, people that just go in there on the tour come out and say, "Wow." I've heard that. Right. I have heard that that they
9: guarantee if you go in, you'll see
2: something. So, and what are some of the other stories that you have coming out in this first issue of the magazine? Well,
9: uh, actually, I'm excited about one of the stories that I have. And it's so intriguing that uh, we couldn't have it in just one issue. It was We've spread it out over four issues. So the first part will be in this uh, premiere issue. And then, obviously, the next three parts will be in the next three months. And it deals with um, a, an experience at Skinwalker Ranch.
2: Ah, the, so. <laughs> the very strange tale of the Skinwalker Ranch. And right. It, and like, I can understand why you need to spread it out over more than one issue, because it's a, it's a very intriguing tale. It is. Now, is this magazine going to be available on newsstands nationwide, or is it solely through a subscription basis? Well, right
9: now, just subscriptions. But I am working on getting it in major bookstores and hopefully within the next few months that will happen
2: and, and this is something that you do pretty much totally by yourself
9: well um you know at first <laughs> that's the way it, it looked like it was going to be but i um am fortunate enough to know have know and have met a lot of people in the field and um have come aboard and started helping me
2: uh, but in terms of the production i mean
9: uh, yeah that's that's just me <laughs>
2: Is it something that you do at home on the computer? or?
9: Well, uh, actually, I, have, I know someone here in Louisville that helps me with that, luckily.
2: Because <laughs> uh, um, I'm actually a, a newspaper writer by trade, and what I do is I just submit these stories to them either in the computer system there or via email, mm-hmm. and then they handle the rest of it because I would not be able to do all the layout and design and all that well, stuff that you must have right. to do.
9: Right. I do all of the layout and the design, and then um, I have someone that helps me with the
2: printing. And being somebody who, uh, your other website, uh, in case we haven't mentioned it, you have a website where you deal with, uh, like, celebrity fashion? (laughs) That's right. And so, but having that kind of eye for detail and having an eye for, you know, what's visually appealing, that must help in the magazine process as well. Well,
9: you know, I hope it does. I really do. I I think it does. And, you know, that's another interest of mine. So... um,
2: you know, there's probably some paranormal aspect to some of the uh, fashion and celebrities you wear. <laughs> I think there is uh, I mean, some of it. I've seen makes me wonder. Remember that Swan dress that Bjork wore a couple of years ago to the Grammys? <laughs> that
9: <Or> the
2: Academy Awards. <laughs> I mean, that
9: had to had had to have had some alien influence. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> and so, and and in upcoming issues, uh, and people can go to your website, unexplainedmag.com, if they'd like to subscribe. But in upcoming issues. Uh, are you hoping to bring in a lot of reader accounts as well such as what Fate does?
9: Yes, I would I would love to have uh, readers submit their stories and even photographs if they've caught anything in, you know, in a photo that they would like for us to take a look at. I would love for them to submit it.
2: Well, and we thank you for joining us tonight, especially on short notice as we put this show together.
9: Oh, well, no
2: a- problem. Thank
9: and, you for having
2: me. You're welcome back anytime and And uh, we will be uh, contacting because we'd like to read this magazine, too. So. Oh,
9: sure. And if you have an
2: article you'd like to submit, I'd love to read it. Oh, we live in the the heart of the paranormal here. Matt <laughs> Moniz uh, has a...
3: Well, I'd, I'd like to submit uh, something on what I did at Waverly to you, if oh. that's all right with you.
2: I would love that, yes.
3: Since I find it appropriate since you're in the louisville area yep. very very lovely city by the way
9: Oh, well, thank you yeah. i like it <laughs> and good food
2: yeah <laughs> oh great the more i hear about it the more i have to go yeah,
9: yeah well you, you come on and um i'll show you around the
2: city all right i'll have to take you up on that all right all right well rose thank you very much and uh we hope to talk to you again in the future and we thank look forward you. to the magazine good luck with it thank you very much thank you bye and uh and and Kristen, you know Aside from uh, Waverly Hills, too, that whole area has a a very big haunted history, too, so she's probably going to be busy for quite a while with that.
6: Yeah, really. I heard a lot about uh, Louisville and surrounding areas, actually. I wish we got to do more.
2: Well, I mean, maybe you will now. They're actually out filming another season of Ghost Hunters right now, aren't they? Yep. Can you uh, spoil anything? (laughs) (laughs) You can't blame me for trying, though. (laughs) I, I, I have to try. I know. <laughs> are you going to be joining them? Uh, are you going to be joining them on any of these investigations? Uh, yeah, I'm hoping to. I, I mean, I know I I read something. I think we got a press release from Sci-Fi that said they're actually going to go overseas this time.
6: Uh, yeah, that's what I've been hearing.
2: Is that one of the trips you're going to get to make? Or um, I don't know. You know, we kind of don't. It's not planned real far in advance. It's kind of like uh, whoever's available at that time when they go. Yeah. Yep. Well. Uh, Just have a passport ready just in case. I know, huh? All right, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to talk to William J. Burns, publisher of UFO Magazine, to close out what has been a very active and interesting show. So uh, stay tuned for that because you want to hear from these people. These people are serious when it comes to the UFOs. I mean, this isn't some crackpot conspiracy journalist theory. This is the real science and everything behind it. So we'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. Uh, what is that? It's an unidentified flying object. Which, of course, is not uncommon at this time of year. Uh, summertime, skies are clear. Not as clear as in the wintertime. Or so, but, you know, as we have nice weather, you know, make sure you look up at the skies. We said there's going to be a con- uh, meteor passing close by the Earth on Monday night. But maybe uh, tonight you're going to go out and you're going to see something flying by that isn't a meteor. It's those kind of stories you can read about in UFO Magazine. And we have on the line bill burns the publisher of ufo magazine uh and we are going to talk to him about what is in his fine periodical bill how are you tonight hi bill yes hi how are you good evening how how you doing i'm good and uh any ufo sightings tonight so far uh so far nothing here in southern california although uh, it's been cloudy well you know it's 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 interesting that uh you are in southern california because there are a lot of sightings out there um What do you think it is about that area that has drawn a lot of UFO activity?
0: Well, what's so funny is um, some of the UFOs may be very conventional United States Air Force planes that are being tested because the Pacific Coast all the way from the central coast of California around Capitola all the way on down to San Diego is part of the test range for the Navy and the Air Force. And so way back in the 80s, there were plenty of tests of stealth fighters and the B-2 bomber off the Pacific coast. And the interesting part about it is that the radar operators at various airports wouldn't see these planes on their screens because they were stealth, and yet airline pilots coming into LAX, and into San Francisco Airport and San Diego Airport would report these strange delta-shaped objects, bat-wing objects, uh, flying very close to them and thought they were UFOs, but in fact they were um, stealth aircraft being tested. So that's, so that's interesting if that you ask that, because that's in fact very true, and then of course the flight pattern over the Pacific comes out of Nellis Air Force Base, Area 51 in Nevada, So um, whatever strange craft, and there are craft that are very exotic that are, um, in some cases, triangular-shaped craft, do come out of Nellis, and they do fly over the Pacific. And so you'll see a lot of reports of craft hovering over or flying over the uh, Pacific Ocean uh, relatively near the shoreline that are, in fact, made in U.S.A.,
2: It must drive your local chapter of MUFON absolutely crazy.
0: Well, MUFON loves it because it just is a lot of food (laughs) for thought. Uh, What are these things? And um, the lag time between when these craft are being tested and when they're actually being deployed to the point uh, where people can see them sometimes exceeds 10, 15, or even 20 years. Uh, If you remember, I don't know if you remember, but, All the way back in the 1976 presidential election, in a debate between uh, candidate Jimmy Carter and President Jerry Ford, there was a conversation in which Carter, or I'm sorry, maybe it was in 1980 between Carter and Reagan, when Carter revealed the existence of the B-2 stealth bomber and everybody in the intelligence community and in the secret military community kind of held their collective breaths because they said, wait a minute, you can't talk about this. But he did talk about the B-2, and it revealed that we actually had one. And for a lot of folks who were seeing, uh, especially airline pilots, this, this aircraft kind of hovered near them to hitchhike inside their radar signature, um, realized what it was for the first time.
2: And, and of course, your, your magazine chronicles all of these... And more, I mean, I'm looking through uh, a recent issue here, and I'm just at the the uh, stable of writers that you have. I mean, George Norrie is a contributing columnist, Stanton Friedman, Nick Redfern. I mean, these are the who's who of ufology.
0: You're right, and the, and the credit for that really goes to our editor-in-chief, Nancy Hayfield, who really spent an enormous amount of time gathering people, um, offering... Uh, asking them to do columns for us, coming up with um, ranges of topics for columns, and, 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 and she deserves really all the credit for that, because that was her work. What what um, she did was she realized that the magazine, in order to be taken seriously, and, and I don't mean seriously just by scientists. I mean, it's great to be taken seriously by scientists, but we're not a science magazine. No, we're you're a magazine to... about a phenomena, Exactly. So um, she realized that there was a broad spectrum of writers, some like Stanton, who was more science-oriented, than others like Nick Redfern who were certainly archivally oriented. Right? Nick will talk about um, RAF sightings over various bases in the North Sea, and others like George, who really um, deals with a wide range of paranormal activities and talks to a lot of people on the air, and certainly... Um, wanted a chance to expound on his own views about some of the people he's encountered. So all of these people, plus someone like Jeremy Vaney, who people really like as a writer, who's talking about his own personal abduction experience, Farah, who's talking about um, her experience uh, as part of a family, who's had UFO encounters for uh, generations and decades, and um, other columnists that were getting in to really exp- Expand the scope of the magazine and expand the range of topics we're covering in the UFO field. What about Antonio Junius? Um Don't know, but would love to the opportunity to see some material.
2: And, and you know, Bill, one uh, one thing that I've noticed here now, I'm looking at the April 2006 issue with uh, with Nick Redfern on the cover, mm-hmm. and I know that UFO magazine is very. Uh, very dedicated to putting out the truth and to putting out stuff they can factually back up. I just have one small problem here. Go ahead. With an article that was written by Peter Robbins revisiting the Bentwaters case. Uh-huh. Ironically, it came out the same time that we had Peter on the show. Mm-hmm. I just have one little minor clerical error that I'd like to correct here. You mm-hmm. you talk about, uh, in, in this piece that that, uh, that Peter wrote, you talk about the soil analysis that he had done at Springborne Environmental Laboratories uh, locally here in Wareham, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And you don't mention our science advisor, Matt Moniz, by name.
0: Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> uh-huh. Drop me an email. We will, we will uh, um, correct it and, and, and talk about Matt and, and just uh, you know, how he contributed to the analysis of that soil um, that, uh, that Peter um, brought back.
2: We're not what really do you understand? want
3: to know about it. I still have some left. Do you actually have some left?
2: Yep. He, he actually brought it in uh the first time he came into the studio he brought it in and showed it to us. Incredible. So we just want we just wanted to uh we wanted to pull your leg on that a little bit. We wanted to catch You are
0: uh, duly noted and now it has become a matter of public record.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so what is it that you look for in stories for UFO magazine? Is there uh, I mean certain cases that you that you find people are interested in. I mean obviously Area 51 must be you know, huge on your radar screen, you know, part sure. of Sure. I of
0: mean, uh, no pun intended, but, yeah. but um, yes, there are the standard cases that are always being updated, uh, issues involving Area 51, obviously Roswell, obviously San Augustine, obviously crop circles. Those are always being updated to some extent. But um, I, I, what excites me, and I know excites a lot of leaders, both of UFO Magazine and just in the field in general, is that everybody is looking for the next big case, and they're out there. I mean, that's the exciting thing. Um, As much as, let's say, the government, quote-unquote, whoever inside the government is doing this, tries to cover up issues, uh, there are cases and witnesses and people and documents that really are, just waiting. It's like gold is where you find it, just waiting to be found. For example, in the June issue of UFO, I think it's June issue, June or or, or May issue of UFO Magazine, we covered the story of um, Black Mac Magruder. Mac Magruder, Marion M. Magruder, was a lieutenant colonel in the Marines, a Marine fighter pilot, in World War Two. He was a Hellcat flyer. And remember, Hellcats of the Navy with John Wayne—what a great movie! Well, there's a case of this guy became the um, instructor. Not only was he a major factor; guy was a hero at the Battle of Okinawa. I mean, I could regale I could regale your listeners for the next hour on what he did hand to hand combat with the Japanese sapper squad that rolled that came out of a bomber at Okinawa to try and take out the night fighters. This guy was so effective, he learned night fighting techniques from the folks who mastered it, the British. Because remember, the uh, Luftwaffe would come over in the night and bomb during the Battle of Britain, bomb British cities, and it was the Spitfire pilots learning radar techniques to vector on the uh, German bomber squadrons that uh, decimated the Luftwaffe and basically broke the back of the Luftwaffe over... Britain and um, cleared a path over Europe for the uh, American and for the Allied forces to uh, take back Europe from the Germans. In any event, this guy brought these night-fighting techniques, radar techniques, to the Pacific theater in the 1940s and uh, was very successful. Well, after the war, this famous hero now is going to the Air Academy, the Air College, Air War College at Maxwell Air Force Base in Alabama in July 1947, because he's going to become a senior officer now in the Air Force, making in the the Marines making policy. Well, they took a little trip, that graduating class from the Air College, they took a trip to Wright Air Force Base at the end of July in 1947. There it is in his records. An unaccounted week during the week of July 26, 1947, and at Wright Patterson, they were taken into a room where they saw and
2: handled
0: debris from the Roswell crash. This guy I,
2: describes I, it. I, right? I hate to cut you short right there, but uh, you know we can get everybody to buy the magazine and check out the story. But we're get actually story out. we're actually coming up on the end of the show. I apologize. We'll we'll definitely have you back on in the future, though, because we'd like to get more into what UFO Magazine has out there for people. And, of course, they can go to your website, com where they can get all the subscription information.
0: Yeah, they sure can and get back issues and get stories downloadable.
2: All right, so I highly recommend it. And, of course, you can find a link to our show there as well. We thank you for that. Thank
0: you very much. We, for having th- me
2: on. we thank you. And we also thank Kristen for hanging out with us tonight. Hey, anytime. Hey, and, and we'll definitely take you up on that. So... From Matt Costa, Matt Moniz, from myself, Tim Weisberg, we invite you all to stay spooktacular, everybody. Good night.
1: Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least... Until yesterday begins again, tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen.